the king and the animals fasted. So they didn't even feed the animals, guys. Going without food to make time for prayer. Okay, that's what fasting is, by the way. Uh, God then was filled with compassion and spared the city. That's basically the story of Jonah in a nutshell. Okay, but it literally only take like half hour for those of you quick readers. You'll be able to read the book like in half an hour. So let's uh, let's go ahead and, and the reason. You know what? I want to give you a map. Sister, put that map up because I want to show you exactly where um, Jonah took place. Uh, the uh, the story of Jonah with the whale and all that. Put the map up where uh, it shows a little bit of everything, like Italy, uh, Israel, and Rome. A little, the one before that, before that, before that. Oh, you know what? That might do it. Uh, uh, go back. So we all know this, right? Here's the United States. This is where we are. We're right here. This is uh, Mexico. Some of you are familiar with that. And then we let's go all the way over here, and we're going to look around this area, Okay. So basically, Nineveh, the, this great, this this is a lake right here, and I believe, no, no, this is the the Red Sea. This is something else I forgot. But with this ocean right here goes a river, and it's a it's a uh, Tigris River. Okay, that's what. Uh, hope, uh, yeah, the Tigris River it goes right here, and then Nineveh is the other side of that river, and then this is Jerusalem, and then this is where he was. He God wanted him to go there. But he was going to go to Tarshish, which is actually in Spain, all the way over here. He was like, no! And he literally ran the other way. He was so scared he didn't want to do it. So instead of going over here, he wanted to sail all the way over here to get away from God. But come on, how many guys know you can't get away with God that easy? You can't get away from him. Come on, he's everywhere. And then as he was sailing over here, that's where the storm happened. He got swallowed by the, the whale, and, and uh, the whale spared his life. Amen. All right, now that you guys got a better understanding, let's go on with the message, amen? All right, the reason I found it important to give the review on the book of Jonah is because uh, as we are about to read, Jesus uses this story, okay? He, he reminds us of this story, and I didn't want to just read it, and most of you, I mean, before I just read this, how many of you guys know about the story of Jonah? Raise your hand if you knew. That's just about half. So the other half didn't know. That's okay. Don't worry. Just just start reading the Old Testament too. And uh, it's good that you know this now. Okay. So now you know what Jesus is meaning when he's when we're going to read in Matthew chapter 12. So the reason I okay, but uh, some people deny the possibility. This is a really interesting fact right here. This is awesome. Some people deny the possibility of the Old Testament miracles. They deny it. Like those miracles, just like Jonah. Uh, being swallowed by the whale, a lot of people was like, that's just a story, and it's not true. It's just made to encourage us as believers. But that's a lie, because Jesus ends up using it as an example. And because he uses it as an example to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, uh, uh, that, that proves that Jesus accepted the Old Testament story of Jonah as historical. It's true, okay? Like in history class, you guys will study things that actually happen, okay? You're not, you're not studying Peter Pan and things of that nature in history class, am I right? You're studying the Civil War. You're, 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 you're studying uh, the, the, <coughs> the time of Rome and things like that, right? Amen? Amen. Okay, so he took it as historical, actually happened. He used it as an example when he's preaching. Thank you, sister. Uh, so Matthew chapter 12, let me get an amen when you're there. All right, let's go to verse 38. And uh, the passage entitled, The Sign of Jonah, 30, verse 38. Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. He answered, Jesus answered, 
a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miracle, miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Verse 40, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And he's prophesying about those three days and three nights he was gone from the earth and then he was resurrected. Verse 41, the men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment and, and this generation and condemn it, for they repented and the preaching of Jonah, um, for the, uh, at the preaching of Jonah. And now one greater than Jonah is here. And he's talking about himself. Verse 42, the queen of the south will raise at judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now one greater than Solomon is here. Talking himself again, about himself. Verse 43, when an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through um, uh, arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Verse 44, then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Verse 45, then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that man is worse than the first. This, that is how. It will be with the, this wicked generation. Okay, so everybody look up at me really quick and repeat after me. Say, say me on. Say me on. Say me on. Say me on means signs. Signs, okay? And like I said before, most of you know that like the, uh, the Greek language has more meanings. Like as a sign, we can mean a street sign. We can mean a sign of a miraculous sign like the Pharisees were asking Jesus. We can mean uh, give me a, a sign to go there or go not, like thumbs up or thumbs down. You know what I mean? But um, see, it's only one word, but the, the Greek language has a, a couple. So this word uh, specifically, Simeon, this word, is, uh, this word for sign specifically means miracles and wonders by which God authenticates the men sent by him or by which men prove that the cause they are pleading is God's. Okay, so this sign specifically means, Simeon means a miraculous sign to prove that God, that you were really sent by God, okay? Amen. Thank you. And those of you writing, it's S-E-M-E-I-O-N. Oh. <laughs> That's okay. So let's see. Let's continue on. So we find that Jesus is focusing on the unbelief and belief. He shows the unbelief of the Jews and the belief of the Gentiles. Gentiles meaning non-Jewish people like us. So pretty much all Gentiles here in that sense. <coughs> They asked for a sign, even though Jesus had been performing miracles left and right, casting out demons, healing the sick. Just, just the, the, the story before this passage, just a couple of verses back, he casts a demon out of a boy. Okay? Um, let's see. Uh, in verse 22 of Matthew 12, is that what I'm talking about? He, uh, they accused Jesus of working with the devil. So just a couple of verses down, it's like, man, this guy is, 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 is casting out demons, like, Man, that, that has to be the devil. He's working with the devil. Because if, if he's casting out devils, that means the devil's using him in some way. Okay? Excuse me. 
Jesus refused to give a miracle because there was no point of proving anything to them, for they had already rejected him by their disbelief. Okay, I'm going to read that one more time. So Jesus, what did he do? When the Pharisees asked for a miracle, for a miraculous sign, what did Jesus say? He refused it. He said, no. He said, you wicked and adulterous generation. He said, no. But why? Because there was no point of proving anything to them anymore. It, it was too late. You know why? Because they had already rejected him in their disbelief. Okay? By not believing in Jesus Christ and what he was saying and the signs and the wonders and the miracles that he was doing. And, and just a second ago, we talked about him casting out a demon out of a boy and them accusing him that it was the devil, that their disbelief right there is just, it's, it's over for them. Okay, so by asking for a sign, the Pharisees were actually planning against Jesus. Okay, so in their minds, they were putting a plot. They were making a plot against him. If Jesus was not able to perform a sign, they would expose him. It's like, man, this guy's a false prophet. You see, he's nothing. But if they, if he did, they would uh, um, discredit him by saying it was working with um, Beelzebub, and Beelzebub is just a Jewish name for the devil, basically, okay? It will just accuse him of working the devil again. That's it. So in verse 42 of uh, Matthew 12, the queen, uh, Jesus says, the queen of the south will raise at the judgment with his generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now one greater than Solomon is here. Now, who, who is that he's talking about referring to the queen of the south? Jesus is referring to Queen, Queen Sheba, who heard about the wisdom of King Solomon. Who knows King Solomon here? King Solomon wrote the, pretty much the majority of uh, the, uh, the, 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 the songs, the, the hymns, the psalms in the book of Psalms. Okay, all those songs that we see. He wrote a really good majority of them. Um, and this guy was just wise. The Lord gave him wisdom and knowledge of, of everything. It, it was, it was, he was a great king, okay? So she heard about him. Okay, so she traveled far and wide uh, to him because she wanted to see for herself what he was working with. He w she wanted to see it. After King Solomon answered all of her questions, she realized that the rumors didn't even do him justice. Then she gave the king 120 talents of gold, and most scholars believe that that was actually four tons of gold. Four tons. And a very great quantity of spices. A precious, and precious stones. So it gave gold, jewelry, and spices. Spices were very um, high in value back then, okay? Like like adobo. Like if I brought adobo back then, they'll be like, oh, man, I'll give you something for that. I'll give you my house. <laughs> so after King Solomon answered all her questions, that's what she did for her, um, that she did for him. She traveled to seek the wisdom of a man, okay? She traveled that far. It was a far travel, okay? Um, and now one greater and wiser than Solomon is in front of them, and they want nothing to do with him. You understand me? So uh, Solomon was, was so wise beyond his years, yet Jesus is more wise and more strong and more powerful than him. Yet nobody wants to spend time with him. Yet nobody, not one person, will travel that far for this man. You see, in verse 38, the Pharisees and the teachers asked Jesus for a sign. In verse 39, Jesus responded by calling them a wicked, adulterous generation. Can we get a sign? You wicked, adulterous generation. Can you go, oh, man. Ask me, like, ask me for a miraculous sign. Go ahead. Go ahead. Huh? 
you wicked and adulterous generation. Can you imagine that? Him just doing that? I'm sorry, brother. I didn't mean that. I don't want to hurt your feelings. You're not a wicked and adulterous generation. I promise. But he responded by saying that. That's just like, whoa, dude, calm down. But, man, Jesus was in their face. He's like, look, I know what you're doing. I know. I can see right through your plan. See, Jesus is warning them of the coming judgment that is to come. He used the story of Jonah and the story of, queen of, uh, of the queen of Sheba to, to, to tell them about the warning. He's like, look, see, right here in verse 30, uh, 42, the queen, is, uh, the queen of the south will rise at judgment with this generation and condemn it. Now, only God can condemn people. You understand? Only God can say, you're going to hell or you're going to heaven. What exactly does he mean by saying that, though? You see, it almost sounds contradicting, but it's not. Because he's saying that um, Queen she, uh, the Queen of the, uh, of the South, Queen Sheba, uh, Queen of Sheba, and, um, and um, Jonah, those who, that, that Nineveh, the, that people, that town, that great city, they all mourn, they all fasted. Why? Because they believe. The word of God. Why? Why is uh, uh, the queen of uh, um, Sheba gonna go ahead and um, uh, rise in the judgment? Because she had enough faith to travel far and wide to seek this man of wisdom and say, "Wow, okay, she she wanted it. Okay, she traveled. Yet Jesus is in front of them, and they don't even want to step forward. You understand me? The uh, the, the town of Nineveh, they, the whole city, including the, the the livestock, the animals, they mourned, they fasted." And they wanted God, you see. So when judgment comes, and we're all going to get judged, when judgment, the day of judgment comes, they're going to rise and be like, yes. So God's going to use them as an example to the Jews that rejected him. You see? You see them? That's what he means. They're going to condemn you by their testimony, by what they did, okay? So that's what it means. It's not contradicting. You just have to study it a little bit. Amen? Amen. Now in verse 43, let's see, verse 43, an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Verse 45, it goes and takes with it seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that man is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. Now that's kind of like a curveball that Jesus threw there. You know what I mean? It's like it's like he's telling he's giving example about Jonah and then uh, Queen of she, uh, Sheba, and then out of nowhere he's like, Whoop, this is what happens when demons get casted out. Okay, so in right here Jesus declares uh, a sentence on those who refuse to accept him and his message. When he when one accepts the message and does not it does not just stop there. So it's like, oh, I accept the message. Okay, I accept Jesus Christ. It doesn't just stop there, guys. It's a lifestyle. You understand me? You have to you have to live that lifestyle. You have to live that message. It doesn't just stop there. The evil the evil spirits found the place. What did they found the place? They found the place swept clean and put in order. Okay. So this is talking to basically like people who who are who just got saved, maybe never had a demon in them. But nonetheless, the demon was using, or the devil, you were the devil's tool at one time. Okay, I definitely was. And when you accept God, you are swept clean, and you are put in order inside. You understand me? And when a person has a demon casted out of them, they are swept clean and put in order by God. Amen? So, but it was also, what was it? It was also unoccupied. 
Okay? So it was swept clean. It was put in order, but it was unoccupied. And that's referring to people who just accept the message and stop there and don't establish that relationship. The person that got set free did not have the relationship with God. And as a result, all the improvement was lost and the man was worse than before. We learned very important aspects of these two verses right here, okay? And I, got, and I get this from uh, my commentary in, in the Bible. <clears throat> it is awesome. I just had to put it in here. So we learned a couple important things, three specific things, okay? The evil spirits who have been forced to uh, release their control over a person desires to return, okay? So when you get saved and when you got born again, guess what? Yeah, the devil got, uh, had to loose his grip because the power of God is too strong, but the devil wants to come back. The demons want to come back in you. And when you get a demon casted out of you or a person gets a demon casted out of them, look, the demon is looking to get right back in you. You understand me? It wants to go back in you. It seeks to go back in you. That's what the word said. That's what Jesus said. Even, and number two, even evil spirits cannot return if that person's heart is occupied by the Holy Spirit. Amen? So we learned that. It can't come back in you. Nope, nope, nope. If you're keeping pure and you're keeping according to the word of God, it cannot come in you because you are consumed by the Holy Spirit, okay? So although that might be scary, okay, yes, the devil is trying to get back in, in some of you, okay, it might be a little intimidating, but guess what? If you put your faith in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that dwells within you and you start worshiping God with everything you got and you start reading about him, you start consuming your relationship with him and you surround yourself with God, it is impossible for that demon to come back or any other demon speaking, amen? So number three, point number three, a whole nation or society may pursue the pleasure of evil such as an extent that the, the society itself can come under a demonic control. Okay. So like the, the church of Corinth, okay, you guys know the book of 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, right? Paul writes, uh, okay, you guys, a lot, most of you are familiar with hopefully. And that city was a, a city just like Chicago. Very much. It was a, a city of uh, a lot of prosperity. It was a lot of trade, a lot of importing, exporting, a lot of things going in, a lot of things going out. Okay, big money. But it was also a, so a town of big sin. It was known for its immorality mainly, okay? A lot of people just having sex. The, the main uh, goddess there, they worship. It was ancient Greece. They worshiped the goddess Aphrodite, and Aphrodite is the goddess of love. And they had um, um, a priestess, women priests that were uh, prostitutes. Okay, prostitute priestess. Okay, they sold their body, and they, they said it's glorifying their goddess. Okay, you see how the, the, uh, foolish the devil makes you look? All right, so I'm talking, that's what it's talking about right there. So, so a whole nation or society, like the, like the city of Corinth, may pursue the pleasures, like sex before marriage and drinking and all, and, and all that stuff, of evil to such an extent. They could, they could search it for so much, they could pursue it so much that the society itself, the town itself can come under a demonic control, can be under control by the devil, okay? So keep in mind that true followers of Christ have God's spirit within them, and they cannot uh, uh, be possessed by, the, and by an evil spirit at the same time, okay? If, like I said earlier, if you have the Holy Spirit in you and you are living for God with everything that you have, you, that spirit cannot come back in you, you understand me? It cannot, it is impossible, Okay? But, however, there is a possibility of, of Christians giving into influences and oppression from the evil spirit if they are acting unfaithfully, okay? So, although it can't 
uh, possess you, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, if you let sin in your heart, it's going to take control little by little. If you let sin in your heart, if you let your eye wander a little bit more than it should, okay, in general, if you let your eye wander in general, if things you're not supposed to be looking at, you're letting, you're giving that devil a foothold, you understand me? It's able to grab onto something, and little by little, it's going to break through, okay? When you start letting sin in your heart and sin in your life, okay, and you, sure, you could be saved, you could be up here worshiping, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, but you're letting sin in still, it's seeping through the cracks somehow, you could very easily be oppressed by the devil, it could hold you down. It could take control to a certain extent, but not fully, as long as you have the Holy Spirit. That's why we need to keep pure, guys. We need to keep holy. We need to stay pure and holy for the Lord. And, and not, not, just, not just for our sake so that the devil doesn't take control, because we already know that we got the victory as long as you live for the Lord. Amen. But it is for God, because God commanded us to live this way. Amen. It is a, it is a form of worship. It, your lifestyle is a form of worship and love to God. Amen. So... What was Jesus' message in this passage? Okay, we learned three things. Do not rely on a sign. Do not rely on a sign or a miracle to accept the God, uh, God into your heart. You understand? Know I mean? Don't rely on a miracle to happen. Don't rely on some sort of awesome sign like, oh, I heard. Mikey, this is God. Get on your knees and worship me now. Oh, snaps. That's a sign. And I got, okay, I'm following God now. Don't rely on that because most likely it ain't going to happen, okay? It happened in the Old Testament, but God doesn't choose to do that now, okay? You understand me? He's not going to do that to you most likely. If he does, tell me about it because I want to know, amen? But look, look, don't rely on a sign. Don't rely on a miracle, okay? What sign are you following today, you understand me? And enough faith that Jesus is able to do all things within your life and deliver any type of heart of heartache or problem you're facing. You understand me? He can, he can deliver it all. So that's the other. Have enough faith that Jesus is able to do all things within your life. Amen. Whatever you're going through, whatever oppression that the devil has you under, okay, whatever crack that you're letting the devil hold on to in your life, just know that God can set you free from it. Jesus can set you free from it right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. That's the second thing. Have faith, he's talking about. And number three, when you do accept the gospel of Jesus Christ, establish a strong relationship with him. Become a disciple is the best way. You understand me? Get disciple. If you're not being disciple, if you're not a student of the word, if you're not hang, uh, uh, being taught the Bible besides here at church, Look, get discipled, because trust me, when you get discipled, your connection with God, it might be, it could, like, before it was like this, but then you became saved, and you're like this, but you want it to be like this, amen? You want it to be, boom, part of your life. You want you and God, you and God, God and I, just you and I, Lord, just boom, that's it. That's my lifestyle. Ain't no other thing. Ain't no other thing. Ain't no other chick of wing going to come between me and my God. No, okay, it didn't work. Oh, wait, anyways, look. Do not, do not, do not, do not, do not forsake the love of the Lord and the power that he has over your life. Amen? Amen. So let's go ahead and close out in prayer right now. Hallelujah, Lord Father. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're doing in our hearts, Lord Father. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for, for your message, Lord Father. I thank you for the message that you preached over 2,000 years ago, Lord Jesus. 2,000 years ago. And you preached it to Jewish, to the Jewish Pharisees. And, and, and teachers of the law, those who really denied you, Lord Father, yet even though you preached it to them and you preached it 2,000 years ago, it still touches us today. And it teaches us a lesson, God. That is how your word 
souls, Lord God. That is how it works, Jesus. It is eternal. It is forever.